Bible says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner that went out early in the one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. And at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard and at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers to the first. And when those hired at five o'clock were paid, each man received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. Quite a story, huh? A story that Jesus told. It's actually from the Gospel of Matthew, the one that I just read you. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew from the New Living Translation. It's a story we want to try, uh, study together today. In fact, if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew 20, we'll be there in just a moment and kind of walk through the passage. It's quite a story. It's an interesting story, to say the least. This idea of this vineyard owner going and hiring workers, and he keeps going and hiring more workers and more workers and more workers, and at different times of the day, but then at the end of the day, they all receive the same amount of pay. And so the question is, read a story like that means, we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean? What's this story all about? We know sometimes we can understand what something means by understanding what it doesn't mean. And so when it comes to this particular parable, it's often misunderstood. In fact, you can go and read certain Bible scholars and they'll say, well, it means this. And others say, no, it means that. But I think it's helpful for us to unpack today what it doesn't mean, what it's not talking about first. And then we'll talk about what it is teaching. Let me just say right away, because this is most understood, I think, when it comes to this parable. This is not about salvation here in Matthew chapter 20. This is not talking about salvation. Some say, well, this is all about people coming to the Lord. And it doesn't matter when you come to the Lord. You know, you all get to go to heaven. Well, that's true. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're five years old or you're 55 or you're 95. If you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to go to heaven if you truly know him as Lord and Savior. But that's not what this parable is talking about. You say, well, preacher, how do you know? Well, because it's a parable about working and no one works their way to heaven. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we know it cannot be talking about going to heaven here because no one works their way to heaven. We cannot and we do not. We go to heaven because of the work that Jesus Christ accomplished when he died on the cross, shed his precious blood, was buried and rose again. So this is not talking about salvation. Those many will tell you, well, that's what this is all about. I don't think so. This is not about salvation. Well, there's a second thing I don't think it's primarily talking about, and that's this. This is not about rewards. It's not about rewards. 
In other words, some would say, well, it doesn't matter how much you serve the Lord. We're all going to get the same reward in the end. And this is what this teaches. Well, I'm here to say that's not what this teaches. Because the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. Now, listen to the last part of it. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so this is not talking about the fact that we're all going to get the exact same rewards no matter what we do. Uh, Rewards are good, by the way. And rewards are taught in Scripture. And I believe that as believers, we should look forward to receiving rewards. But this passage is not talking primarily about rewards. There might be a hint at it, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But it's not primarily about rewards. And so the question is, then, if it's not talking about salvation, and it's not primarily talking about rewards... So we have to say, so what is it about? What is this story that Jesus told talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. And in fact, to find out, we actually have to back up a little bit into the previous chapter, chapter 19. Now, we've been talking about the parables. And I laid down some things to help all of us to understand the parables. And one of those principles was this, to study the parable in context. To look at where the parables told, because oftentimes Jesus told a parable to answer a question or to address a situation. And so let's go back just a little bit into chapter 19. If you were to go back and we were to read chapter 19 today, you would find in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus is dealing at one point with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. And Matthew chapter 19. Did I say Luke? Matthew chapter 19, he's dealing with the rich young ruler. And we find there in Matthew chapter 19, he deals with the rich young ruler and he goes away. The rich young ruler goes away sorrowful. Why? Because he loved his stuff more than he loved Jesus. And after the rich young ruler leaves, we find in chapter 19, verse 23 of Matthew, these words. Matthew 19, 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, just get that picture in your mind for a moment. A camel going to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible But with God, all things are possible. And then would you believe at this point that Peter pipes up and Peter has something to say? We uh, studied Peter this morning in our adult classes, didn't we, about his denying the Lord. Then eventually he's restored and he stands boldly for the Lord. Don't you love Peter? I mean, you read the Bible and you think, boy, I I personally said some dumb things. And so I I just feel good because, you know, I feel like that I can understand better. Lord, the Lord loves us even when we say things we shouldn't say. But here we are. Peter, he has something and uh, he asks a question, if you will. And it prompts this parable. Look at verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, see, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Jesus, we've given up so much for you. We left all and followed you. What are we going to get? What are we going to get? Verse 28, Matthew 19. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children, family or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last verse. Now, it's interesting when Peter says, well, Lord, we've left all and followed you. What are we going to get? The Lord Jesus doesn't rebuke him. In fact, the Lord Jesus very lovingly answers his question and he deals with them, first of all, by reassuring him and the other disciples that their sacrifice and their labors for the Lord are not in vain. They're going to be rewarded. In fact, he gives them a specific blessing in verse 28 to those disciples. You're going to be allowed to sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then in the next verse, verse 29, he gives a general blessing for all of those who sacrificially follow him. He says, you will be blessed. You've left family. You've left lands for my name's sake. You're going to receive a hundredfold and these wonderful blessings. Now, I'm using the word sacrificially, by the way, this morning, sacrificially following the Lord Jesus. But we know that nothing that we give for Jesus is truly a sacrifice. He deserves it all. It is an honor and a privilege to serve him. But Peter says, listen, we've given up all this stuff. What are we going to get? And Jesus says, well, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a blessing. And your sacrifice is not in vain. And then he follows up with the story about the workers in the vineyard. And it's a story we said it's not about salvation. And it's not ultimately about rewards. It's actually, I believe, about the motive or the attitude or the reason we should serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we walk through the parable today, I think you're going to see that. It's going to come to light to your hope as we consider three main thoughts from this. Now, I think you're going to like today's three main thoughts because I'm going to give you three things that you need to stop doing. Three things you need to quit. You ever notice you come to church and you study through your Sunday school quarterly and and it's in the end. It says, "Okay, well, here's how to put it in action. Number one, keep praying. Number two, do this. Number three, write a letter. Number four, do that. And you leave with a list and you come in here and the preacher preaches and I give you. "Okay, here's some action points. Well, guess what? Today I'm giving you three things to stop doing. Three things to quit. So instead of adding to your to do list, you're going to add to your do not do list today. Three things to quit. Aren't you glad you came today? You get to quit three things by coming. Number one, you need to quit negotiating with God. Quit negotiating with God. We know the Lord has saved us. The Lord has put us into his work, into his vineyard. Notice Matthew 21 through 2 again. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Verse 2, notice it carefully. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, I'm reading the King, New King James now. I think the Old King James has a penny a day, a day's wage. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Please note that these workers in verses uh, 1 and 2 did not go to work until they had agreed upon a wage for their day's work. They knew what they were going to make, a penny, a denarius, a day's wage. They verbally contracted with the Lord, with the Lord of the vineyard here for their wage. And so they went to work. Now, this is significant. Don't miss that. Don't just read on by and say, well, yeah, they, they agreed to that. This will actually come back to haunt them later. But you know what? It reminded me as I studied about many people who try to negotiate with the Lord. They say things like this. Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll serve you. If you'll give me this amount of money, 
then I'll tithe. If you'll heal me, then I will preach. If you do this, then I'll sing for you. And they begin to try to negotiate with the Lord. And so somebody want to negotiate, they want a bargain and they want to dicker with the Lord, make a deal. Can I just say something and hear me well? Quit trying to strike a deal with the Lord. Quit trying to bargain and barter and negotiate. You know, when you negotiate, you're coming at a negotiation from a supposed position of having something of value. You say, well, I'm going to give you some of my time. I'm going to give you an item. I'm going to give you my talent, my labor. You're in a place where you like you have something to offer. But what about when it comes to the Lord? What do we have to offer the Lord? Wicked, vile, wretched sinners saved by his glorious grace. We were destined for hell until he saved us. You see it, don't you? What do we have to offer God? We're not in a position to bargain and barter and negotiate. We are but dust that he's breathed life into. We often sing it when we come to the Lord. Don't we? Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. And when we come to the Lord, we come to the Lord. He is master. He is Lord. He's the one in charge. We come not bargaining with the Lord. Listen, we come surrendering to the Lord. Lord, here I am. When we get saved, beloved, we give our lives to him. We give our very lives to him. He owns us. We are his servants. We don't come on our terms. We come on his terms. So stop trying to negotiate with the Lord. Stop trying to make a deal with the Lord. Surrender. Lay it all down. Here's a verse. It may sound familiar, but listen to it. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's talking to believers there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, but brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, the Bible says. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, I want you. I own you. I bought you. You're my child. I, you belong to me. Surrender. Here's another verse. Listen to Luke 17:10. Luke 17:10. So likewise, you, when you've done all those things which are commanded you, say, listen, we are unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. Beloved, when it comes to the Lord, don't negotiate. Don't barter. Don't bargain. Listen, surrender. Report for duty. You are Lord, your master. I belong to you. I'm eager to do your will. But these workers, when the Lord of the vineyard came, they negotiated. They said, listen, we'll work for a denarius a day. He says, "Okay, go work in my vineyard. So the first thing we got to quit doing is quit negotiating with God. The second thing is very important, and it's this. We need to quit worrying about everyone else's assignment. Quit worrying about everyone else's assignment. You know, the master saves us and then he assigns us our places of service. The Lord brings us to his family and gives us our place of service. And by the way, it's up to him where that place is. It's up to him what that position is or that place is or that job is. It's up to him about how large it is or how small it is. And the landowner here, he sends his workers out and he goes on. And after he sent all these workers out to call more workers. Look again, verse three. And he went out the third hour. That's nine in the morning. So the first group went to work about six that morning. He went out the third hour, nine, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And this day, if you didn't have a regular job, you'd go day by day and stand and wait to be hired. 
And he says to them, verse four, you also go into the vineyard. And if you like to mark your Bible underline, you might want to underline this next phrase. And whatever is right, I will give you. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Verse five. Again, he went out about the sixth hour. We're at noontime now. And the ninth hour, that's three o'clock in the afternoon. And did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, that's five in the evening. They're working a twelve hour day, by the way. Six to six, if you will. He went out and found others standing idle. And by the way, if you just imagine what it would be like to stand there all day. You need work. You need to buy food for your family. No one's hired you. I commend these workers for still standing there. I missed five o'clock in the evening, one hour left. He said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And sad words in verse seven. They said to him, because no one hired us. No one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. If you'd like to underline, notice this next phrase. And whatever is right, you will receive. Now, notice in this section of the parable, there's no negotiating. It's simply this. You go to work and whatever's right, I'll give to you. Well, fast forward to six o'clock quitting time. And boy, people love quitting time, don't they? I was in Walmart the other day, I think, and they were they were like, I only got two more hours. I got four more hours. They were just counting down. I remember those days when I worked a nine to five or or one time I worked at six in the evening to two in the morning at McDonald's, different things. Well, you look forward to quitting time sometimes, don't you? Let's be honest. You know, let's be honest. We're in church. Well, that quitting time comes around. Verse eight. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, his manager, the one who had put in charge, call the laborers and give them their wages. But notice what he says, beginning with the last to the first. All right. Quitting time. Time to get paid. Those that were hired last front of the line and then go back to those that were hired first. And he lines them up. Verse nine. And when those who were hired about the 11th hour, five, it's six o'clock now, they were hired one hour ago. What did they receive? A denarius, a full day's wage. Verse 10. But when the first came, they've been there since about six that morning. They supposed they would receive more. And they likewise received each man a denarius or a penny or a day's wage. Now, let's just be honest. Let's put ourselves in their sandals for a moment. You've worked 12 long Hard, grueling, sweaty hours. You've borne the heat of the day. You've watched as those who've labored an hour get a denarius. Those who labored a couple hours get a denarius. Those who've been there for part of the day get a denarius. You put your hand out, your grimy, sweaty hand after 12 hours, and you get a denarius. How do you feel? Now, be honest about it. Put aside your Sunday church meeting smile. How do you feel? Well, let's see how they felt. Verse 11. And when they had received it, they... Now, what, can you imagine this? They complained against the landowner. Saying, verse 12, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But did you notice this? They got exactly what they bargained for. They got exactly what they negotiated for. They got exactly what they asked for. 
And it's interesting what the landowner says, verse 13. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Did you notice these early workers? They've been out. They were hired early in the morning. They were hired first. He looked over everybody. They hired them first. They were not grateful for the work. They were not grateful for a master, for a boss who was honest and paid them promptly and paid them what they agreed upon, paid them fully. They thought, I can't believe this. They worked one hour, a few hours and made the same thing I did. Now, here's the warning. Keep your eyes on your own assignment. Keep your eyes on your own assignment. You remember that little girl in elementary school in your elementary school class, that little girl, the teacher's pet. You know what I'm talking about. The one who got straight A's. The one who always got picked to take names on the board when the teacher left the room. You boys and girls, not be honest, but when we were growing up, when the teacher left the room, they got to take names. Sally, come take names. She's standing there with a the chalk. She's looking at you, you know. If you peeked or looked or anything, write your name on the board. If you've got your name on the board, that's a big deal. There was no step. There was none of that stuff. You got your name on the board. You were in trouble. That same little girl, the teacher's pet, who always got to do those sorts of things, she'd be working on her paper or her assignment. And she glanced over and noticed that you were goofing off. What she'd do, she'd raise her hand. Miss teacher, Johnny's not working on his paper. He's drawing silly faces. He's picking his nose. He's doing whatever it is that he's doing. And there you are sitting. And what do you think? Why don't you be quiet? Mind your own business. Worry about your own assignment. But you know what? The sad thing about it is, how many of us are just like her now? We're so busy looking around. Well, they get to do this. They get to do that. God let them do this. They get that. And we're so busy looking around, worried about everybody else. That we're not focused on the assignment that God has given to us. These workers are saying it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. They're made the same as us. We did all this work and they get the same thing. It's not fair. Can I just remind you of something today? And I hope you remind your children of this often. Life is not fair. And can I just go a step further? We ought to be grateful that it's not. Because if it were fair, if God only gave us what was fair, we'd all be burning in hell this morning. Because the only thing we deserve is judgment and condemnation and hell. If there's anything in our lives but hell, it is but the very grace of God that has blessed us. And so all of us need this message. Quit comparing, quit complaining, quit coveting and keep your eyes on your own assignment. You know, Peter struggled with this, I think, at times. It's kind of interesting the way this worked out. We had a Sunday school lesson this morning about Peter denying the Lord and then Peter uh, standing boldly for the Lord in the, the, God, in the, um, the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. But in between, you remember, the Lord restored Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You remember that account? He restores Peter. And it's interesting uh, as he comes and graciously restores him. And by the way, put your finger there in Matthew and go look at this with me. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I want to show this to you. If you don't want to turn, just listen. But John 21. The Lord has restored Peter. And 
and he's talking with him and he tells him some information about his life. You know, he's already predicted earlier he's going to reject the Lord Jesus and he did. And now he's talking about the end of his life. John 21 verses 18 and 19 and we'll keep going a little bit. John 21, verse 18, most assuredly, Jesus is speaking to Peter. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. He says to Peter, but when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, he said to Peter, these words, two words, follow me. Now, don't close it yet. I want to show you a couple more verses. It says, Peter, here's what's going to happen. You kind of had freedom when you were young. When you're older, you're not going to have freedom. You're going to be led where you don't want to go. This is how you're going to die. But here's the key, Peter. Follow me. Follow me. Now, notice verse 20 of John 21. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who was the disciple whom Jesus loved? He's talking about John following who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who's the one who betrays you? So he sees John, verse 21. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about John? I mean, you told me about me. What about John? Now, I want you to notice what the Lord Jesus says in verse 22 of John 21. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that? To you, you follow me. Do you see it? Lord, her class is bigger than mine. What is that to you? You follow me. Lord, he got a bigger speaking part than I did. What is that to you? You follow me. Lord, his church is bigger than mine. What is that to you? You follow me. Lord, her voice is so beautiful. She could sing so much. And I wish I could sing. What is that to you? You follow me. Keep your eyes on your own assignment. You do what I've called you to do. Don't worry about her. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about other people. You follow me. Quit negotiating with God. Quit worrying about everyone else's assignment. But there's a third thing we want to quit before we ultimately quit this morning. And it's this. Quit doubting the master's goodness. Quit doubting the master's goodness. This gets at the heart of the passage of what this parable is all about. We're back in Matthew 20 again with our parable we're studying. Matthew 20, verse 15 and 16. The Lord of the vineyard speaking. He just told the fellow, I can do whatever I want to. I didn't do you any wrong. I gave you what I agree with you. I want to give this last man the same. Verse 15. Here's what he says. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil, watch this, because I am good. So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called but few chosen. The point, beloved, is this. We should serve the Lord not because of what we're going to get, but because he is good and he is God. He's the master. He's worthy of our service. And it's a pleasure and an honor to serve him. And our motive in serving Jesus is not what we're going to get. It's our love for him and what he's given to us. And it seems the Lord is reminding Peter here. And he's reminding us that we need to check our motives as to why we serve him. And notice he says here, I am good. And beloved, as a good master, God is good. He will do right. 
He will do right. When he said to those later workers, he said, listen, you go work and whatever's right, I'll give you. You go work, whatever's right, I'll give you. You go work, whatever's right, I'll give you. Warren Wearsby said the lesson for Christ's disciples is obvious. We should not serve him because we want to receive an expected reward or uh, we should not insist on knowing what we will get. God is infinitely generous and gracious. And listen, will always give us better than we deserve. He'll always give us better than we deserve. Now, I said earlier, this was not about salvation and not about rewards, but having the right attitude in service. Uh, so the words, trust in the Lord to do what's right. Peter, you just serve me. I'll do what's right. Don't worry about it. You just, you just serve me. You follow me. I'll do what's right. But perhaps I should clarify. There is a hint at rewards in this passage. And the hint at rewards is found in the first and last statements. Did you notice those as we read the passages today? The first and last. Look at chapter 19, verse 30. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Look at chapter 20, verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Look at verse 16. So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. So, preacher, what does that mean? Well, I believe that is talking about reward at that point. That the ultimate lesson is serving the Lord with the right heart and attitude and desire and so forth. But there's a hint at rewards here. I believe what he's saying there is going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. A lot of surprises. Some saints that seem to be first here, they have large, important ministries and large, important impact. And they're VIPs. In reality, they may end up being last there. Because it depends on why they're doing what they're doing. Are their hearts and their motive right? Are they truly doing it for the Lord? And some saints who may seem last here, people that are simple, unknown, unheard of, some like they have a very small outreach and a small impact, may, be, may end up being first there. In other words, their rewards will be greater. Why? Because they serve the Lord with a pure heart for the right reason. But please know this. The judge of all the earth will do right. When it comes to rewards, he will do right. And he'll give us better than we deserve because he is good and he's gracious. So don't serve him for what you're going to get. Serve him because he's God. And he's good. And he's gracious. And he's loving. Now I've been giving you some points to ponder as we leave each Sunday. And I want to do that and we're going to pray. And we're going to sing and baptize. But here are some points to ponder for you to think about this week beginning today. What are you currently negotiating with God about? What is it that God has spoken to your heart about? And you're just kind of in negotiations. Well, Lord, I, I don't know about this. And I, listen, that's not the way it works. Believe me, you need to quit and surrender. Quit negotiating. Say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to serve you. I obey. Secondly, how much of your time are you wasting watching everyone else instead of laboring at your own God-given assignment? You can't do their work. You should encourage them, pray them, uphold them, help them, bear one another's burdens as much as you can. But God has given you an assignment, a place. Quit worrying about everybody else. Say, God, this is what you've given me. I'm going to serve you with all of my heart, with a heart filled with love. Quit wasting time comparing. Well, I can't believe they got this and she got that. Listen, what is that to you? Follow Jesus. 
follow Jesus. Thirdly, do you really trust God to do right? Do you really trust him to do right? And do you really believe that he is good? You see, beloved, I think if you really trust God and you really believe he's going to do good, you have no problem serving him at whatever assignment and whatever sphere he gives to you. Not worried about everybody else, but worried about loving him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You follow me and I'll give you what's right. And we know that our God is so great and good. He gives us more than we deserve because he's generous and he's gracious and he's good. Father, thank you for the lesson today. Help us to follow you with all of our heart. Help us to serve you, not because of what we can get, but because of what you've given to us out of love. And we know that we only love you because you first loved us. Work in our midst today. If someone does not know you, bring them to saving faith in Christ. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, help us. May your Holy Spirit examine our hearts today. Put his finger on any area. And may we submit and surrender. May negotiations stop today. May worrying about everybody else stop today. And may we put our eyes upon Jesus and follow him, knowing that you are good. Bless and make us a blessing, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning before we go to our baptisms. By the way, as we begin singing, those that are getting baptized, you can slip out and prepare yourself and go right back here and get prepared. 305, the altar is open today. We would love to lead you to the Lord if you don't know him. We'd love to pray with you. You can come pray on your own. 305, I've decided to follow Jesus. The altar is open. We invite you to come. 305, I've decided to follow Jesus. Let's stand and sing.